Howdy, y'all. Welcome to Family with Family, a mindful discussion of wholesome fare. My name is Jackson Harper, and joining me is my mother, who is mouthing the words to the introduction. (laughs) We'll start over. I'm sorry. No, we're not starting over. (laughs) My mother, Patricia Ann Stover Harper. I couldn't resist. (laughs) Okay. You gotta say your uh, you gotta say your greeting. Oh, greetings, salutations. <laughs> we do this over Zoom, and obviously we're not gonna be posting the video. But that was really funny that she was just mouthing along because I say the same thing at the beginning of every episode, which is really cool that you know. Well, that's how podcasts work. I know. I know. <laughs> and salutations to everyone. <laughs> okay. How was your day? It was really nice. Um, we went to our niece and nephew's house and the extended family gathered there, except none of y'all, none of our family, because everybody's away doing other things. Mm-hmm. But they all live around here. So we enjoyed it very much. All right. And we had ham and turkey and squash casserole and green beans. Oh, all the good stuff. And I made <laughs> bread because that's my job. Yeah, bread. That is her thing, y'all. It's award-winning bread. Thank you. It so. really it really has won awards. <laughs> anyway, uh, tell the listeners what we're talking about tonight. Tonight or today, we are talking about School of Rock, which is a 2003 film about a struggling rock guitarist. And I say struggling uh, tongue-in-cheek. I'm not sure that describes it enough. Okay. He majorly is struggling and he's been Mm -hmm. fired from his band and he's desperate to make money. So he pretends to be his roommate and goes and gets a job at a, at a really um, highly rated prep school. Uh Uh-huh. And he's, he's posing as his roommate and his roommate's name is so funny. Ned (laughs) Schneider. Ned Schneebly and it's just about him in the classroom and how he discovers that his classroom has musical talent Uh and um, then he capitalizes on the musical talent yeah he makes them into a band he does and they are really good well all right then uh our first segment on this show is called character counts Yes. Where we just sort of run down the characters and talk about them as we wish. You know, we, we really can only cover a few of the characters because there's a whole there's, classroom. There's a, a whole parents bunch of characters. and teachers and friends. Uh-huh. There's just too many. So we'll just, yeah, we'll do the top of the list. Dewey Finn, played by Jack Black, uh-huh. is very animated, overly animated <laughs> in this uh rosalie mullins who is also known as Roz, the principal and she's played by joan cusack and she is hysterical <laughs> ned schneebly who is dewey's roommate he pretends to be and i understand uh would you like to tell about ned well i mean he's played by mike white who also wrote the movie yes yes and Patty DeMarco is Ned's girlfriend, played by uh, Sarah Silverman, who's a comedian. Mm -hmm. 
who I remembered from the uh, murder series, Monk. She was in a couple <laughs> episodes of that, and she was hysterical in that. Summer Hathaway, she's kind of the lead person of the band because she's the boss. Yeah, not she's not in the band. No, but she's she not is, in the band. She's the boss. She's okay? the class factotum, as she would always <laughs> like to remind Whatever you. a factotum is. I have Zach, no idea. <laughs> Zach Mooneyham, our very accomplished lead guitarist. Freddie Jones, the drummer. Mr. Cool Lawrence, who is the uh, keyboard player. Alicia, Marta, and Tamika, who are the background singers. And that's, I'll uh -huh. just stop there. Okay. Too many. Yeah, there's like his ex-band, which is like Theo, and I don't know, the bass player. And then there's a guy named Spider, who might come up later. Okay. <laughs> anyway, yeah, that pretty much covers it. Who's your favorite character? Oh, my favorite character is the principal, Roz Mullins, played by <laughs> Joan Cusack. Of course it is. I Maybe it's because I've kind of been a principal of a school. I, <laughs> I don't know, but I, I don't think that really has anything to do with it. She is just such a nerd. And Cusack yes. plays her expertly with uh, the looks on her face and how she reacts and how she, uh, uh, oh, a scene where she played, where a student had come into the principal's office yeah. she's fussing at her and the little girls just just scared to death yeah Young girl can't be more say, than like seven or eight yeah yes and then she, and then she then principal Molly says would you like a hug and the little girl wails that's not that's away. not how that's not how she says it because for one thing oh one this, of my favorite I mean, I'm not going to bring this up in my scenes. I guess this is just like a little bonus. Uh, but just the way she's like, you just need to be a little bit more conscientious. And then she's like, would you like a hug? And the girl's That's like, true. She oh, says, be good, I swear. And then runs out of the room. I know. I thought I was going to come unglued when that happens. It was it's a really, really funny scene. Yes. And then her scene in the book. There's just so many scenes where she... Yeah so funny and mm -hmm. delighted me i she was my favorite character though none of my favorite scenes really have much to do with her well then uh who's your favorite kid i think summer of course it is <laughs> she loves the type a's y'all <laughs> because i are one um, yeah yeah summer especially when she he tells her that she can be a groupie and she goes home that night and she researches, and like, researches groupies. groupies. <laughs> she, goes, she meets him in the parking lot the next morning. Goes, I will not be a groupie. I have <laughs> groupies and they are not nice. And I will tell you. <laughs> so he has to cover himself. He says, okay, you're the band manager. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah. So I'll, uh, talk a little bit about this like I suggested this movie because one I knew you probably hadn't seen it never and two it is one of my favorite movies ever I this is the movie I call this like a comfort food movie <laughs> this is like if I'm tired or I just want I just want to put something on this is one of my go-to movies I've seen it so many times including yeah you know, the past week or two where we've been talking about it. And 
uh, I've watched it just over and over and over again. But that's not just because of this podcast. Like, this is just one of those movies that I can always watch and always find entertaining or just calming. I don't know. There's something about it that just it just works for me. Okay. So this shows our complete generation gap. Okay, y'all. Jackson is 40. Uh-huh. I will be 70 this year. And this uh-huh. really illustrates our generation gap because this would never be my comfort food movie. Now, yeah, except it's not it's, calming. <laughs> except it's it's all about music from your generation. I know. <laughs> Except she doesn't like music from her generation. This is the point. Because <laughs> I'm an old soul, but sh- so is she. So. True. True. We're both old souls. You're an old soul. But I'm an old soul back to the 40s or 50s, yeah. 60s or, you know. Or the, or the you know, 1700s. Okay. I'll go there. <laughs> I love Pride and Prejudice. Well, but I'm talking about music. Like you love, yeah, you I love know. Bach and Mozart, I and I do. Yeah, Handel. <laughs> That's the kind of music that that she really gets down to. You do know what your favorite music is of all time. Is it the Messiah? Well, yes. <laughs> okay, that's why I said Handel. So, I'll tell you a story though. Uh, back when I used to drive for Uber, when I lived in Dallas. You know, I would have my iPod and I had like a playlist that I would use to play in the car. And people would get in the car and they would always ask if they could hook their iPod up or their phone or whatever to my system. And uh, usually they ended up playing music that I did not care for. So one day I had an idea. (laughs) I put on the classical station on the radio and I started playing that whenever people got into the car. No one ever asked to change the music from the classical station. Wow. <laughs> Not once. So tip for people who drive for Uber or Lyft or whatever, put on the classical station. It will keep your passengers very calm and soothed. <laughs> <laughs> you wouldn't think that would work, but it does. Oh, so, I like It's that. kind of like my little magic trick. Very good. So, Love yeah. it. But we're not talking about classical today. Uh, no, we're, we're rock. talking about rock. <laughs> As Jack Black would probably say, rock. Yes. All right. So um, our next segment is called Scene Selections, where we uh, skip to the parts of the DVD that we like the best. So I'm going to let, uh, we always have three each, unless we have a guest and then we adjust. But um, there's just the two of us tonight. So why don't you go first? What's your uh, first scene you want to talk about? Well, the first scene is um, when they've gone, the students, he has sneaked them out of school to go to the tryouts for Battle of the Mm -hmm. Bands, which we'll talk about more later. But um, so they get to the Battle of the Bands and there's there's all these adults there, you know, Mm -hmm. uh, young adults, and they're all laughing at him. And um, Tamika has decided she can't sing. She's scared. So he takes her off to the side to encourage her. Okay. And we won't mm-hmm. go into that. But when he goes back to the whole group, he finds out that Freddie, the drummer, has gone missing. He has mm-hmm. gone off with members of another band to a van out in the parking lot. <laughs> and Jack Black, his 
what I love about this scene is how he goes from this really, really irresponsible rock guy into a frantic parent. Yes. And he is like frantic to go find. He's, he wants to yell at the kids for letting Freddie leave, but he runs out and he, you see him running through the parking lot and Freddie looks outside of a van and says, Hey, Mr. Mr. S. And um, he runs back to the van and he says, Freddie, you get out of that van. <laughs> gone into parent mode. And then he he uh, starts rebuking the other people that have let yeah. in the van. And he says, then he makes the statement, don't make me come back here. <laughs> <laughs> and then he tells, yeah. he tells him to um, act like responsible adults. But he's been <laughs> completely irresponsible yeah he's me, being irresponsible right then yes like he's got the kids out of school he's stolen out of anybody. school he wasn't allowed to take them out of school they snuck out of school it's just very ironic but yeah to laugh because he is starting to see what it feels like to be a responsible person Okay. Yeah. Enough of that. But also, it's just, well, he, he has grown to really love these kids. Oh, yes. Yeah. And the other, the button on that scene that I love so much is after he tells off the last guy, he points a finger in the guy's face and just keeps it there for a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love Jack Black in this movie. I know you say he's overly animated, but I think, I think this movie wouldn't work without him. No, I agree. I have it, to agree with you. And it was and written the for him. The looks he gets on his face are priceless. Yeah, he's got this very expressive face. His eyebrows are like something from another planet. <laughs> <laughs> and I've never seen him in anything. Yeah, he's not in a lot of movies you would like. This is kind of one of the only I'm ones. I'm sure I wouldn't. <laughs> okay, your turn. Okay, so I'm going to rewind us a little bit on the DVD, and I'm going to talk about his first day in the class. Because, like we've said, he's, he's posing as Ned Schneebly, his roommate. And he gets in the class, and he tells all the kids that he has a hangover. <laughs> and, then, <laughs> and then he uh, asks, who's got food? And <laughs> it's like, you're not going to get in trouble. I'm hungry. And so finally, Tamika raises her hand. And this is the first time you've met any of these kids. And uh, he goes back and gets a turkey sandwich that she's been hiding in her desk. And he starts eating it. And uh, then Summer starts laying into him about the fact that he's not teaching them anything. <laughs> he's like, well, usually Miss Dunham does vocabulary. And then she gives us a pop quiz. <laughs> he's like, well, I don't care what Miss Dumbum does. <laughs> I'm in charge now. And Summer's like, if you don't give us any assignments, how are we going to know our progress? And then she points to this poster on the wall with little gold stars and little black dots next to every kid's name. <laughs> and she talks about how, you know, the, the gold stars are achievements. And then he's like, well, what are these little black dots? And one of the other kids is like, demerits, which leads you to believe this kid probably has a lot of demerits. Yeah. He's like, what kind of sick school is this? And he goes over and he just rips up the poster, <laughs> tears it off the wall and rips it into a bunch of pizzas. Mm -hmm. And while he's doing this, Summer is horrified. She's like physically reacting to him ripping up the poster, just 
jerking and everything. And, and he's like, in this class, there will be no grades and no gold stars, no demerits. And it's one of those things where it's setting up his character to be this sort of anti-authority figure. And he is, but I think it also pays off by the end of the movie because even though he's not giving them gold stars and demerits, he is seeing the potential in all the kids and helping them develop that. And it's, it's the stuff of, I think, good teachers. And we'll, we'll talk about that in a little bit. So what's your next scene? And I love that scene too. Yeah. The first time I saw this movie, by the way, I wasn't very impressed, (laughs) but it really grew on me. I knew it would. (laughs) <laughs> so the next other the next scene that I picked was when Tamika she comes up to him after class and she says I, she she's a, a a little bit chubby and mm-hmm. um tall for her age and a little awkward but mm-hmm. she knows what she wants mm-hmm. and she says Mr. S I don't want to be a roadie whatever he's told him a roadie was going to be It's somebody that hauls the gear and and takes care of the technical uh, aspects of the band. Yeah. And and she says, he said, what do you want to be? He says, I want to be a singer. Mm -hmm. Then he gets her to sing. And the thing I like about this scene is the look on his face Mm -hmm. when she starts belting out this gorgeous, soulful voice. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, what is she singing? I forget. She sings uh, Cha- uh, Chain, Chain, Chain. 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 Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Chain. yeah. I guess maybe what I liked about it was there have been several times in my life when I think I got that look on my face when, because I've recognized over the years of directing choirs and helping kids in school, I've recognized some singers, you know, that I mm-hmm. thought really, really had talent. Um, yeah. And I, I think that's what endeared me to this scene. He wanted mm-hmm. to encourage her. And of course, he immediately recognized that she had a set of pipes. But mm-hmm. that's why I liked the scene. And I had that experience just last Sunday. I went to oh, yeah? a piano recital, but it was piano voice recital. And this young woman got up to sing and she was awkward. But when yeah. she started singing, she had a professional broadway voice yeah you don't hear very often i had to go up to her right away after after that recital last sunday and tell her she needed to pursue that Mm -hmm. it reminded me of that but that was my i know that's a tiny little scene but it really spoke to me that he wanted to encourage her uh at that point which is a main theme of this movie yeah well he does it with lawrence too the keyboard player because Lawrence after their first rehearsal or whatever uh comes up to doing in the lunchroom and he's like I don't think I can be in the band I'm not cool enough he's (laughs) like no you are cool the way you play is cool the thing about it is Dewey is not a cynical person he (laughs) seems that way at first but he's not he's really he's an idealist I don't think he seems cynical ever. Where does he? Well, maybe he doesn't seem cynical. He just seems he's just he's slovenly and he's irresponsible and all that. That I'll agree with. Cynical is the is the wrong word. Okay, but 
what you see throughout the course of this movie is uh, his idealism coming to the surface because mm-hmm. he really does believe in the power of music. He does, but I think from the very get-go, he seems like a very, um, he's a little arrogant about his own talent. Maybe that's what I meant by, yeah, not cynical. That was the wrong word. Yes. But yes, he is very kind of, he's very full of himself because he's, he's talented. He's a good guitar player and he's a good singer. But he has more wishful thinking about where he's going to get with it because he's a little awkward on the stage. He's not awkward. He's just seems that way because the rest of his band are more like traditional cool rock and he is just this he's this mad hatter type (laughs) at the very beginning of the movie they're playing and the other band members are rolling their eyes at the yeah because he's he's so into it he doesn't he doesn't have any sort of self-consciousness about it no he's he's free (laughs) yeah he is great well, so that leads me into my next scene, which is uh, the scene that I will call The Legend of the Rent. This is my favorite scene in the movie. I know we've got another one to talk about about after this, but this is my favorite thing. This is the scene that really made me love this movie because uh, he's talking to the kids about like their musical influences. Who do they like? And, and they're saying like Christina Aguilera, Puff Daddy. And then you have Billy is like, Liza Minnelli, he's like, what are you talking about? And then they ask him, like, what are we going to be playing anyway? And he says, well, I've got a killer song. And Zach, the coolest person in the whole band, Zach is just very nonchalant about everything. And he's like, well, let's hear it. What? Well, let's hear your song. What, you want to hear my song? Yeah. (laughs) Well... It's like, well, keep in mind, I wrote it in about 15 minutes and it's not really done yet. (laughs) And then he starts, you know, he gets out his little tuner and he gets his pitch and everything. And he's like, the first thing you'll see is a beam of light on me and my guitar. (laughs) And it's like, now, 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 in the end of time. (laughs) And I won't try to sing the whole thing. Oh, please do. I can't because I don't remember all that. Something like, it's like in the end of time, the artist found the road or something like that. And the writing was written on the stone. <laughs> and it started, it's this very pretentious kind of like 70s Led Zeppelin type thing. But then it, it just turns into complete inanity. <laughs> Because he starts bringing his own issues into the song. He's like, you think you'll be just fine without me, but you're mine. How can you kick me out of the band? (laughs) Which culminates with him saying, you're not hardcore unless you live hardcore. And the legend of the rent was way hardcore. (laughs) It's just complete nonsense well you need to make sure that our listeners understand that he is twenty two hundred dollars behind in the payment his yeah <laughs> yeah he's been borrowing money from his roommate and hasn't paid him back and and so he's just he's got all this stuff he's thinking about he's like he's been kicked out of his band and he's behind on his rent so that just 
creeps into this song that starts very like, like I said, pretentious, artsy kind of thing. But it's all done in one shot. It starts on his face and the camera kind of slowly zooms back and he starts dancing and <laughs> and all the kids are just sitting there taking it in. And then the button on the scene is uh, Summer's like, well, I liked it, Mr. S. I thought it was really catchy. <laughs> It's the stupidest song that anyone's oh. ever sung. Oh, yes. <laughs> so, yeah, that's my second one. What's your third? Okay. My third favorite scene is when a little prelude to that is he's getting coffee in the lounge and and the principal says that it's very important they're going to have a parent meeting. And he, mm-hmm. is, he is just like panic stricken. Okay. Yes. Drops the coffee. Yes, drops the coffee. And then the principal uh, uh, approaches him in a little, I don't know if it's the same day, I can't remember, but. uh, This movie, I think, takes place over like three weeks. Okay. So it's always, not always easy to tell what day it is, especially because the kids wear the same clothes every day, so. Yeah, he is, we need to, we need to say that he has tried to get in with the principal so we can get these kids to the battle of the bands. Okay. Uh-huh. And so he took her out to a bar and, and they had beer and talked. And so she asked, af- this is after that, she asked him to escort her to the parent meeting. He doesn't yeah. want to go. And she no. said, but you have to go. It's the most <laughs> important thing. You have to tell the parent yeah. what you've been teaching them. But anyway, so then the night of the parents meeting, he gets all dressed up and they're driving (laughs) up to the school. I don't want to spend too long. He tries to tell Roz that he's not a teacher. Mm -hmm. He's a fraud. And she breaks in and she says, you just got to get in there. (laughs) He gets up in front of the class. The next it drops to the scene where he's in front of the class and he goes through this nondescriptive list of what mm-hmm. he's been teaching him goes through all this, uh, of all the uh, subjects. Yeah, he's like math, history, Latin, Spanish, French, Latin. <laughs> math. Oh, did I already say that? <laughs> yeah. So then you look, it goes over to the door and the cops show up with his roommate and his girlfriend, she has called the cops on him. They figured out mm-hmm. that he was a, well, he had already told him he was uh, a fraud, that he had been posing as his roommate. So mm-hmm. um, he says, I just need to say a few more things before he gets out. Cause you've been found out and, and the principal has found him out and he goes back in or, or maybe he's, I, I forget how it comes up. They- he can't he can't tell the te- the parents what he's been doing because it would break teacher student confidentiality. Yes. And he could be dismembered for that. <laughs> but he gets his final word in. He tries to tell the parents that Zach could is the next Jimi Hendrix and mm. Gordon is a genius with lights. And Marta, did you know she could hit an A over high C? And Summer She's going to be the next, the first woman president. And I would even vote for her later this year. And she's just <laughs> 10 years old. And then he, the culmination of the scene is, I have been touched by your children. And I'm pretty sure I have touched them. 
And then there is dead silence. And it pans around to the parents. They all have their mouths open. They are they are almost hysterical. And the next scene is he's running. Yeah. Their pandemonium breaks up. The kid, the parents are screaming and he runs. And but it just the whole scene where he's trying to yeah. come up for himself. And um it was just funny. There's nothing to say about it other than it was funny. Well, other than my favorite line in that scene is when Summer's mom is like, why is my daughter so obsessed with David Geffen? Oh, yes. And I forgot to say, <laughs> the parents pull out the CDs and, yeah. and they, he's been found out. That they've been doing music in class. Yeah. That was funny to me. Very funny. Okay, so my third favorite scene, and I, I told you this earlier, like I have had such a hard time deciding what scenes I want to talk about because I, I love every scene in this movie. But since I talked about uh, Dewey's song in my last scene, now I want to talk about Zach's song. And that will lead us into the finale of the movie, which we always have to talk about. So he's, uh, he's in class and they're just kind of goofing around and, and Billy comes up and He's got, uh, he's got Katie and Freddie dressed up in this sort of glam outfit that looks like something out of the 70s or 80s. And he also um, starts uh, dressing down Dewey about his fashion sense. He's like, look at that bow tie. He's like, don't you be talking about my bow tie. <laughs> but he hears, uh, he hears Zach off to the side, like noodling around on his guitar. And he's immediately just intrigued. And he goes over and he's like, what are you playing? And she's like, just something I wrote. Because Zach is the most like nonchalant kid in the world. Just something I wrote. It's like, what, you wrote a song? Yeah. Well, do you have lyrics? And he pulls the lyrics out of his pocket. And he's like, well, what are we doing? It's like, we're going to learn your song. Why? Because that's what bands do. They learn each other's songs. And it turns out that it's way better than the song that he wrote that he'd had the band playing. Yeah. Like this 10 year old kid has bested him and he could be jealous at that point. You know, a lot of, a lot of musicians would be, but he's not like he, he recognizes and we, you know, we've touched on this. He did it with Tamika and Lawrence and summer even when Dewey sees talent in his midst, he is all in. On, on supporting that and helping that. That's what the movie's really about. But, you know, they learn the song. And of course, that is the song that they play for the Battle of the Bands. So let's talk about the Battle of the Bands. Go ahead. Because you have wanted to talk about this scene so much. Well, and I told you, we're going to talk about it. But we have to wait till the end of this segment. They've weaseled their way into the Battle of the Bands through... That was almost one of my scenes, too. I know. it's <laughs> Summer comes up with this idea because they, they, they aren't going to let him play in the Battle of the Bands, but Summer has an idea, and she tells him out of the van, go in there and tell them we're dying. <laughs> <laughs> so he From stick it to demoniosis. Something like that. So... Of course, the, the, the organizer of the battle, the band says, oh, yeah, you can play your song. You know, anything for kids that are dying. These kids don't even look like they're dying. But um, so he has gotten 
he has gotten kicked out because what if what happened at the parents meeting but the kids they escape from school with a school bus and go mm-hmm. and pick him up and drag him to the battle of the bands and they get in there and in the meantime <laughs> the teacher has discovered the kids all missing and mm-hmm. goes in and tells the parents i'm pretty sure all of your kids have gone missing <laughs> So they go to the Battle of the Bands and they're up next. So I don't know what you want me to tell. I mean, I love the part about the parents. You want yeah, to well, the parents, the parents have chased them down. Somehow oh. they figured out where the kids have gone. I yeah, can't remember the how. It's the yeah. <laughs> it's the they figure out their kids are at the Battle of the Bands. So <laughs> for one thing, they won't let them in. They have to all buy tickets. That's one of my favorite scenes is when they're all sitting (laughs) there and they're saying, but our kids are in there. I'm sorry, you have to buy a ticket. (laughs) You don't understand. They're students. I'm sorry, you'll have to buy a ticket. And and the teachers, the principal finally says, all right, let's go get tickets. And they go (laughs) in. Then the band comes out and their performance is absolutely amazing. Yeah. Um, there's the lights and there's the, the singing and Tamika does a solo and, and, Mm -hmm. uh, uh, um, what's his name? Zach Lawrence 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 has got on this hat. He's got this crazy hair thing, hair thing going on. And yeah, of course, uh, he's got a cape. (laughs) <laughs> Freddie has his hair all spiked. Yes, Lawrence has a cape on. Yeah, and Zach has put, a top hat somehow. <laughs> and they they have brought a they have brought an outfit for Dewey, and it looks like a post office. I mean, it's no, it's it's a school uniform. Is it a school uniform? Yeah, it's a school uniform it's with uniform. shorts, though. It's yeah. supposed to look like um, there's a really famous guitarist named Angus Young. He plays for ACDC. And he always used to dress like that in kind of like a prep school uniform with shorts. And that was kind of his thing. Yeah. The best part about it is he looks, he looks at, um, at Zach and he says, we're going to play your song. Yeah. And they all say, but we don't know it as well. We haven't practiced it as much. He said, it's better. We have to play your song. And they just mm-hmm. improvise. Of course, it's all been rehearsed. But the parents, yeah. as they're listening to the song, they're all mad. They're all mad. Yeah. But when they start playing, the lights go on in their heads. And they're just all so proud and mm-hmm. just can't believe their kids are doing that. And it, it's just mm-hmm. really, it's fun. And yeah, you've got the part where uh, Lawrence's dad comes up to Zach's dad. And he's like, your son is very skilled. It's like, <laughs> Lawrence's I know, dad so is, is your. Yeah. Yeah. By the end, everybody's everybody's all in to they their are. kids being in this rock band. And and then the band doesn't win the Battle of the Bands. I the top prize goes to this old band. Did you read something about the fact that they didn't win? What about it? Um, the kid that died, hmm. the one that has died, uh, Freddie. Oh, Freddie. Yeah. He sadly got uh, hit by a car a few years ago while he, he was riding wrote, his bike. He wrote the end of the movie. What? I read that he is the one who developed the end of the movie, said that it would be better if they didn't win. Huh. 
Okay. Yeah. I did not find that, but okay. That makes sense. It's the Rocky ending, you know? They don't win, but, but the moral win. victory is theirs. Yes. Because immediately the crowd just starts, starts yelling for their chanting rock. School of Rock. He said that was perfect. Because if they had won, it would have been anticlimactic and it would have been over. Uh But because they didn't win, they could have the teacher come in the back and say how great or the principal come in the back and say how great they were and how mad she was with them. But how proud she was, you know, Uh and um, also that they could chant and and do their encore. Yes. Um, So that's what that's what I read was that Freddie Jones, as a 12 year old, suggested the ending of the movie well that's really cool yeah Yeah. it's really sad about him that's yes it was he was he was biking in chicago he was 32 years old and was Mm -hmm. but he Mm -hmm. had run a red light well you know i mean still didn't mean to do it i'm sure but yeah uh, it was very sad yeah he was still playing music too well, that leads into the actual final scene of the movie where it turns out that Dewey has uh, started an after-school program where he teaches kids rock and roll. And even Ned's in on it. Ned, like, is teaching the little kids, like, basic guitar chords and stuff like that. This is a C. Yeah. No. <laughs> it's really, I love the ending, the very end. Yeah. Well, all right. I guess that gets us into our final segment. Lessons learned. Not final segment. We have a couple more. But so what does this movie make you think about? Well, like you said, it's it's about recognizing the talents. That's what being a teacher is, is trying to develop the talents of your Mm -hmm. students. And it's really about being an adult or a parent. You're wanting to develop the talents of your children, your students, and others. It's recognizing others, passing along so that the next generation shines. Yeah. Not always trying to be first. Mm-hmm. And that's the part I love the best about Dewey. When he got to the Battle of the Bands, we're playing your song. Yeah. Um, well, it makes me think, uh, and you probably haven't seen uh, Star Wars Episode Eight: The Last Jedi. I might have you seen? Have. Yeah, maybe you did. No, I don't <laughs> but know. there's a there's a scene in that where you know um, Luke has been trying to train Ray, and Ray is a little bit too much for him to handle at this point. And so Yoda's ghost comes to Luke and gives him this sort of long lecture. <laughs> But it ends with a line that I really like about students and teachers. And he says about teachers, we are what they grow beyond. Mm. Yeah, it's a really good line. A lot of people don't like that movie. I love it. But hey, that's not what we're talking about. But yeah, this is a movie about that. It's, you know, the, the people that you teach and you mentor, they are what you grow beyond. Or no, you are what they grow beyond. They grow beyond. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I I thought maybe you said that backwards, but that's okay. It's Well, it's Yoda, so you can never tell. He says everything backwards. It's true. He does. (laughs) True this is. True this is. (laughs) Well, it made me wonder, like, um, did you ever have a teacher like that? 
I really struggled to not put 20 teachers down. Okay. Um, Is there one that really sticks out though in your mind? Yes, but she wasn't my school teacher. Okay. We'll talk about her. Mrs. Starnes. Okay. You've heard me talk about Mrs. Starnes, my choir director when I was a kid. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Here I go being you. It's okay. We moved to Asheville, North Carolina when I was 10 and I was just kind of lost and we started going to Grace Baptist Church and I started singing in the junior high choir. And I, I don't know what Mrs. Starnes saw in me, but um, she knew that I was from a very poor family and she started working with me and she would mm -hmm. encourage me in singing. Um, she would pay my way to go to, to uh, camps, festivals. You know, if mm. there was money taken up, I wouldn't have had any. So she would pay my way. And I remember she paid my way to a summer camp one time and, and I got to sing in the advanced choir and mm. it was, we sang the most beautiful music, but I would have never gotten to go to that. And then when I became a little older, she insisted on giving me voice and conducting lessons. Mm. I would go to the choir room and she never charged me anything. And she taught me to love beautiful music, but my parents mm. taught me that too. But um, yeah. She was more of a mentor, you know, a non-parental mentor uh, mm -hmm. about choir music. And then when I became in about a junior or sophomore in high school, I got to sing in the adult choir. <laughs> I was the only teenager in the adult in the adult choir. But yeah. she and she just was very important to me musically, which mm -hmm. I guess y'all can figure out that I love music. Um, a school teacher who, who really influenced my life in a little way was my sixth grade teacher who um, encouraged me to get up in front of people and speak. And she gave me a little poem to memorize about my pocketbook. I looked for that poem. I can't find it anywhere. Mm -hmm. And she had me actually go around to the classes and say that poem. Mm -hmm. Nobody else did that. She just, I don't know. I, w I guess I was a little animated <laughs> and my Latin teachers in, in high school and junior high, they encouraged me to love language. Yeah. And one more person, my, one of my accounting professors who challenged me whenever he knew I was not going to know the answer, he would call on me. <laughs> helped me to be afraid not to make an error, you know, because you had to answer whether you knew the answer or not. Uh -huh. I guess he could tell by the look on my face. She doesn't know the answer. And I was an older student. He picked on me, but it encouraged me not to be afraid. Do you think he did that deliberately? I absolutely know. Or do you it. think he was being mean? <laughs> oh, no, no, no. He wasn't being okay. mean. No, I don't think. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of, um, I mean, I know this from just scenes in movies. There's a lot of movies about uh, people in school where the teacher calls on them when they know they don't know the answer. And the teacher is usually painted in kind of a mean light. So that's why I'm asking that. But you think uh, you think he was doing it really to help you? And to challenge me. Yes, I do. Yeah. Well, that's good. Yeah, it was good. So 
Um, I guess I'm going to talk a little about some of the teachers I've had. Uh, well, for one thing, there was you. <laughs> you taught me for several years. Um, I harassed you. Man, I, did, I didn't do everything right. It's okay. You didn't know what you were doing. <laughs> you know, you figured it out. You probably did better with Eric because you had him the whole way through. I did. Yeah. He didn't like schoolwork. I hate schoolwork. I don't like school. <laughs> I have long been a person who did not like school. I don't like writing papers. I don't like reading assignments. I like to read, but I want to read what I want to read, not what's assigned to me. But I did encourage um, you to read. Yeah. And sometimes I actually liked what you got me to read, like uh, Great Expectations. I haven't read it since, but when we read it, I found up, I found myself liking it despite myself. Very good. Wonderful. So there we go. That's one example. But, I, you know, I, I had several music teachers and, you know, I won't name them all. There was Miss Brenda. That was my piano teacher. And I did not like to practice the piano, but I liked to play the piano. But just, I, again, I like to do my own thing. Uh, Ms. Myrna, oh, my yeah. choir teacher, who was probably, I think she was probably the best music teacher I ever had. Apart from you, you taught me a lot. But as far as like formal teacher student kind of thing, uh, she was the one that really, I think, I think in a lot of ways, she helped me find my own voice. And it took a few years after that. But uh, some of the things I learned from her about like, projecting and breathing and all of that stuff like I think I think that has helped me as a singer throughout the rest of my life I still think about uh, those choir days there was uh, my teacher Deb Holloway in college she was one of my theater teachers and she was also the one that like I think she liked me as an actor more than the program like head did and so she would cast me in things even when he wouldn't <laughs> oh, okay yeah because like the last night of Bali who you remember that play where that was the best part I ever got to play in college and she directed that show she's the one who cast me in that yeah there are probably some others but those are the ones oh I can't not talk about Susie Pendergrass of course not <laughs> Of all my teachers in high school, there were a couple that I really liked and had a good relationship with. But Susie Pendergrass was the one that like, I don't know, I, I've talked to her in the years since. And, and she was like, as soon as I met you, I knew that you had something else going on in your head. And I just wanted to, I just wanted to help you achieve that sort of potential. And I don't know if it's worked in the long term, you know, but it was it was really meaningful in school to have a teacher that saw you and to bring us back to School of Rock. That is that is what is really going on in this movie. Dewey Finn, disguised as Ned Schneebly, sees these kids for who they are and wants them to achieve some, you know, their best potential. And he wants to encourage their talents and their gifts. Even though he's not a real teacher, for like three weeks. And then of course, in the after school program later, he is a real teacher. You know, he's not licensed or anything, but he teaches them something and he, and he helps them develop their 
talents. And it's a silly movie. Of course, a lot of the movies we talk about are silly movies, but I don't think it's, uh, I don't think it's something to be taken too lightly. I think a movie like this is very special because it, it shows someone who recognizes the potential in others and does everything they possibly can to develop it. Okay. <laughs> I always feel like you're grading me. <laughs> I'm not grading you at all. I'm just, I was enjoying it thoroughly. There are no grades, no gold stars, no demerits. <laughs> no, I was just enjoying what you said. Yeah. I guess that can lead us into the whiff scale. So get out your calculator. I got it. Okay. Well, as everyone who has listened to this show knows, the whiff scale is our metric for grading movies. <laughs> it's a little... Uh, is the word antithetical to what this movie is about? Is that the right word? Yes, it is. Okay. Just wanted to make sure I got it correct. Anyway, because <laughs> this movie is not about grades or gold stars or demerits, but we're going to assign some grades, gold stars, and demerits to this movie. Um, so we do it on a two-pronged scale. It's about fun and feelings. Fun being... Uh, entertainment value and feelings being more uh, thematic weight, stuff like that. So mom, what would you give this movie on the fun scale? Well, I would give it a higher grade if it wasn't for the bad language and well, irreverence in some ways, but I'll, I'll have to give it a six. Okay. If it hadn't been for that, I would have given it a 10. <laughs> It's not even that bad, but fine. Okay, she gives it a six. I give it a six. Okay, I give it a 10. I knew you would. I try not to be too liberal with giving out 10s, but this one I have to because, like I said, it's my comfort food movie. I've watched it so many times over the last 20 years. I saw it in the theater, and I immediately bought it on DVD after, and it's just, it's just always in my rotation. So, well, I own it now, but I'll, I'll probably give it to Eric <laughs> because his is all scratched. Okay. <laughs> but we'll borrow it back when you're visiting in case you need to watch it. Okay. <laughs> well, I have it. I have it digitally now. Oh, okay. Yeah. That works. Anyway. So what would you give it on the scale of feelings? Well, I have to give it a six there too. Okay. For this, probably the same reasons I might could have gone a little higher because you just have to laugh. Mm -hmm. There's no, there's no crying in it, but I think it evokes a six for me. Okay. I'm a solid six. I think I'm going to give it a seven. I think the movie does get to some deeper stuff. I don't think it's necessarily trying to do that, but maybe it is, you know, you never can tell with art. And of course um, we didn't talk about the director at all, Richard Linkletter. He is a very celebrated director because he doesn't do just this kind of movie. He also does like artsy stuff. You know, he spent 12 years making a movie about this one boy growing up and they would just film a little bit every oh year goodness. for 12 years. And so you, get, you watch this three hour movie and you get to see a kid go from six to 18 in, in real, not real time, but you know what I mean? Time. Um, yeah. And so he makes lots of different kinds of movies. And this is one of his more mainstream ones. 
Uh, and so, but he's a really thoughtful guy. And I think you, you know, even a silly movie like this, you can't dismiss uh, the artist behind it. But I still think I'm just going to even that out and give it a seven. Okay. So Which gives us a seven. That's a seven? Seven and a quarter. Okay. Well, we'll call that a seven. Okay. All right. So we hear it family at family. Really, School of Rock, a seven. It's a really good score. It's a C, but that's mostly because of you. You're the one that, you know, you were trying to drag it down to a D. No, no, I wasn't. <laughs> no, I wasn't. I wasn't even thinking that way. I just can't. <laughs> if I, I really think it would have been just as good of a movie if it was PG instead of PG-13. It practically is PG. I don't know why it's well, PG-13. There's no reason for it to be PG-13. There's a lot of bad language in it. There's not that much. Well, there's, there's really not that, that much. Made it PG-13. Okay, fine. Uh-huh. All right. So what ages of kids would you recommend uh, watching this movie? I mean, the kids are 10 years old. Yeah. But they do use some bad language, you know. <laughs> okay. Salty language. Mm-hmm. The average 10-year-old is probably not going to... These kids are way above average. Yeah. Like really smart kids. Okay. And mature for their age. Mm-hmm. But that's the in a actors, movie. Yeah, but the actors had to play that. True. You know. Okay, um, so just answer the question. I know, I'm trying. Not not below 12. Okay, that's fair. Okay. I got you. All right, well, I guess that wraps up our uh, discussion of oh, School of Rock. It was really fun, and I tell you what, like I said, I'd never seen it, but... The more I watched it, the more I enjoyed it. I did enjoy the movie. Good. I really liked the way that Jack Black, Dewey Finn, progressed in his in his attitudes and what was mm-hmm. important to him. I liked yeah. that. And I'm pretty sure he paid his rent. <laughs> okay. So next time, we are going to be discussing a movie that is new to me that she pointed out. It is the film Rescued by Ruby. It's a Netflix film about a boy and his dog. (laughs) Based on a true story. Well, I I don't know much about the true story. I've only watched the movie once, but I'm going to have to watch it some more. Um, But yeah. The real people at the end. Yeah. Okay. But I'm just saying, you never know. It's a movie. Anyway, so get ready for some dog antics and uh, some crime solving. And a little sappiness. It's pretty sappy. It's a sappy movie, but I yeah. I loved it when I saw it. And I think most people will not have seen it. And so yeah. they'll want to watch it with their kids. All right. Well, in that case, uh, you can find this podcast wherever you found it. Uh, leave us a rating. Leave us a review. That helps little podcasts like ours get heard. And uh, until next time... You're not hardcore unless you live hardcore. But the legend of the rent was way hardcore. Very good. Good Good night. Good day. Good night.